0: your place,
1: Carl? Yeah, what
0: do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother.
1: Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama No Drama Podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: So, here we are again and we're starting in our third episode in the book 1st John. So, last time the, we finished out chapter 2. Today we're going to be going over chapter 3, which is it's only about well, 20 verses, 20-something verses. And so we'll read it over, but again, we're going to see the cyclical nature of, um, of St. John. And so as we read this, I want you to watch for the themes that keep rolling around and around, and you'll be able to tell where we're going with our discussion on this. So we'll begin with chapter 3. St. John writes, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him, beloved. we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as He is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself and he is pure as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness sin is lawlessness you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin no one who abides in him keeps on sinning and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him little children let no one deceive you whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil For the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the works of the devil no one born of god makes a practice of sinning for god's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of god by this it is evident who are the children of god and who are the children of the devil whoever does not practice righteousness is not of god nor is the one who does not not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. yet closes his heart against him, how does God love? God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do not and do what pleases him. And, and this is the His commandment, that we believe in the, in the name of His Son Jesus Christ and love one another, just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us.
0: So much awesomeness there.
1: You know, I agree. There is so much awesomeness. And uh, also, we always have to keep in mind, um, we have to go back to the first chapter Remember, we got to keep this in perspective of Him giving us the purpose of the book, uh, telling us that that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete whenever we hear the things in chapter 3 you'd be amazed well Zach's probably not gonna be amazed but people listening uh, would be amazed how quickly People can jettison Jesus Christ when they read the Bible. If you're reading the Bible and next thing you know, Jesus has fallen out the side of the door. <laughs> you're not you're not getting it. So when we start off here is to say chapter three gives us the cyclical nature again, see what kind of love the Father has given us. That we should be called children of God, and so we are. Okay, we gotta remember. It's something it's called imputed righteousness it's something that god has bestowed upon us and um to be his children and so when we start looking at this we will keep us out of the 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 courtroom dramas here if we understand that we're talking about how god works so um uh, we get into this the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him It's important to know that we're recognized by who our Savior is and not by who we are. Christians are are known um, uh, by the works of God. That is how we have an identity, not in how super cool our laser light show is at church or fog machine or whatever. It's to say that we are known by the works manifested in us.
0: By the way, uh, if you have a laser light show and a fog machine, just send us the church address, and we'll, we'll send one of our guys to come and remove that for you. Uh, <laughs> we'll get them out of there. We'll put a nice crucifix in its place, something, to, something a little better to look at.
1: And but you know. yeah,
0: the, the, uh, the reason why the world uh, does not know us is because of that that it does not know him. Uh, everything that christian has to say like 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 you were just saying it's not it's not ours right our identity is in christ we're just echo chambers of christ's words
1: right and yeah. what,
0: what do we say to the world the same as john the baptist you brood of vipers <laughs> we say uh, <laughs> we say uh look this is the law Okay, this is God's law, and you've transgressed it. Transgressed it, but Christ has died for for all of these sins, and by faith, you know you you are saved. Uh, so if you believe this, we don't say, "Hey, now make a decision," but we say, as we continue to preach, this is why Lutherans don't don't do too much street preaching. I do personally, but you can't do you know five minutes. You have to really spend a good 45 solid minutes to even get anywhere Mm -hmm. but the law is always going to accuse their conscience and then they're going to hate you
1: well it's true uh the word of god is is an alien thing in our world and um we see here it's it's really important because we're going to get into some stuff that's going to make some people feel very uncomfortable here and as bush leaguers it's okay we're going to take it we're going to take it slow and we're going to unpack it so that all of a sudden we're not creating the lutheran stuff pharisee school and um so uh where is it here beloved we are god's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is now when we see this here we're saying you know here's here's more of our talk about being the about being justified and and sinners to say that you know everything that he's promised us hasn't hasn't come to the full fruition meaning the resurrection and so we do live in this world of sin and death and so but keep in mind what the resurrection looks like is when we will be like christ in that all the things that have hampered us all the sin all of our brokenness cancer blindness whatever that we'll be like him meaning we have been uh, restored and so and to be without sin and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure what a great it's to say where where theologically are all your eggs being placed well they should be saying well they're placed in the the hope of Jesus Christ that's
0: excellent and and that's just it if if anybody thinks that we're just drawing the symbol from St. Paul in Romans 7, you know, that's not the case. It's, it's clearly painted here, as you stated, uh, that we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. So, meaning, our sinful flesh is not completely removed here and now in this life. We're... We're struggling, like you said, with, with still the the ailments and the temptations of the flesh. But I mean, we do have the spirit to help us recognize these things when they do happen. And um, it's the great war within. It's the I mean, we just did this in Galatians, right? I say follow the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, there's Paul distincting uh, the simile. When we say simul, we're saying simul, uses et peccator. So we mean same time saint and sinner. That's what John is saying here. You have a duality of nature. Right. Um, I thought maybe we'd define that just in case that was uh, any newtherans out there that, that don't know the term. When we talk about the simul, we're talking about two natures, saint and sinner. And John's going to continue to talk about this.
1: Well, yeah, the Eustace literally means justified. Um, it's to say that we have been we have been declared innocent, and yet we're still sinful, and so um, this is why we say we bring our. This is why John is saying if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And it's to also to remind us that we haven't, for some reason, lost our need for Jesus. We haven't lost our need for forgiveness. And as in as chapter three comes and he gives us a a broader picture in this cycle that is going through here again is to say that, you know, uh, that this time when sin is no longer a problem is coming, but not yet. There's um there's a common saying in Lutheran circles of saying now and not yet. Um, are you justified? Absolutely. Have you been forgiven? Absolutely. Um, has all of this come to fruition in the resurrection? Not yet. <laughs> so it's now and not or, yet.
0: Or are, are you seated in the heavenly places? Yeah. Right? Yes and no. Right? Now and not yet. Yeah, now and not yet. Um, you know, are you perfect? Are you perfect? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> and not yet. You know, it's now and not yet. So...
1: <laughs> So this is, the, this is the life of a Christian, and the only way to stay out of the Pharisee card is to understand the, the need that, and the understanding that we are sinners who need Jesus desperately, but we also enjoy the benefits of the grace and mercy and free gift of salvation from Jesus even as we await the resurrection.
0: By the way, that was the Pharisees' problem, for anybody wondering, is they didn't think they needed Jesus. And from the law, their hearts were actually even more hardened, thinking they were keeping it. Because true works of the law can only be done through faith from the forgiveness of sins that comes through the gospel. Mm -hmm. So just for anybody wondering, you know, why are these Pharisees a bunch of noobs? Well, that's it. They're, they're a bunch of doorknobs because of that right there. <laughs> well, I think it's... the next thing is who makes a practice. The key word here, you want to be careful with John. He says, a practice of sinning right? mm-hmm. also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing to to put those two in the same container, to to say sin, because anytime you're sinning, you're saying, well, God says this is bad, but I say it's okay. So you're 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 practicing lawlessness to say that God's word is not um, important or it doesn't matter.
0: It's kind of, It kind of goes along the lines like this. Well, what do you really need God for if He's not going to be your God?
1: Yeah. Well, you know. Almost- so
0: when, when I've I've had to stop a few times and and say to myself, okay, either you are going to su- submit this these things to your God, right? Your financial needs, your your sins, your everything, and let Him take care of you. Or you're gonna keep persisting as if you're your own God, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what God is here for—is to be God.
1: Yes. Well, you really—if you don't need Him, um, it means you're sinless, or it means you're God anyway. So any of these people who are trying to uh, trying to get around that somehow—they're just—they're kidding themselves.
0: Yeah, that is the problem with uh, the philosophy and empty deceit, as Paul talks about. Not that all philosophy is bad, but when when you get these atheists with, I won't even call it philosophy. Um, yeah, they they they're no different than just Adam right after the fall, right?
1: Sure. Well, philosophy is sort of meant to be a ministerial use, which means something that aids in the. Uh that aids in the primary thing which is a scriptural understanding of things. And so we we take a lot of philosophical things and just toss them out because we don't need them. But we do we do use philosophy in order to kind of put things into words, but it can't be what drives the conversation. It has to be what assists in the conversation.
0: Yes, like like the simile would be a philosophical thing that we're drawing from the distinction of duality of nature that scripture teaches.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as we look here, um, so, knowing all this, we shouldn't be freaked out to say that, um, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let not one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So right here, again, getting into the word of practice, it means when you're practicing sinning, it is your it is your thing, it is your vocation, it's like practicing medicine, it's not like you sometimes practice medicine, you know, if you're a doctor, you are practicing medicine as a way of life, it's who you are, it is what is a defining factor of your vocation, and so when we get into practicing sinning, it's to say, look, if you're telling me you're a Christian and you are just trashing all of what Christians hold dear, well, you know what? You shouldn't be. Um, you shouldn't be so quick. Uh, I, I mean, you you should really reevaluate what you're saying. You should answer the question: Am I really a Christian or not? And it's not because of your works. It's because there's a confession of faith happening when you uh, when you when you practice this lawlessness it is not just your works it is a confession of your faith when to to and he'll even go as far as to say doing righteous things is a confession of your faith um in the same way so it it all works together in this way so we're not saying well if you want to be a Christian, you should do nice things. No, because we already cleared that up in the beginning of the chapter to say that the righteousness is, comes from Christ. So stop trying to say, well, if you want to become a Christian, you better do more nice things. No, we're saying if you're a Christian, it should be in your own mind considered normal to do righteous things. And if you're practicing lawlessness, it should be offensive to you. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, not because of your spiritual training.
0: I think, and that—that—that's dead on. I think it's important too to distinguish here original and actual sin. So Paul, or Paul, Paul.
1: Uh, <laughs> we just love him, people.
0: John, <laughs> John, the Godfather of Bushley. Oh yeah. Uh, is. Is, is not distinct, or he is not talking about original sin in this context. He's not talking about you getting mad when you wake up in the morning because of your wretched heart and you having to fight that. What he's saying is don't let that evil that arises in you take over and practice that. Don't let it, basically when Paul says don't be enslaved to sin, that's kind of how John is speaking here. Okay, so when you have a lustful thought that just pops out of nowhere, you know, the righteous thing to do, practicing righteousness, is going to be to fight it. So you would actually be on the righteous side of of what John is saying, whoever practices righteousness, right, as opposed to the, the one who practices sin. Because the practicing of sin would be to give in to that and then follow that through. And as we confess that we do thought, word, and deed. You see the the, the progression of mm-hmm. original sin into actual sin.
1: Well, it's certainly, um, when we talk about sin, I mean, the the fall, the original sin, is what is the uh, progenitor of every sin that I have. It's because people say, do I sin because I'm a sinner, or am I a sinner because I sin, and I'm like, Yes. But uh-huh. um you're, <laughs> ulti- <laughs> you're, you're ultimately as a fallen and broken person, your nature is enemy. And so uh there's a there's a straightforward thing to say right there. Well, you're conceived in sin. So you 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 it's not like, oh well, he just got off to a bad start. He started off fine, then he turned into a sinner. No. This is the rescue that we even give to babies in baptism that they would have the Holy Spirit because as if there isn't a spiritual war happening um, in the crib, in the cradle. There is a spiritual war going on and it's not just once you hit 21 and you're out of college and, you know, whatever. There's always a spiritual war going on. And so, and for Christians it's like, well... My old Adam was drowned in the waters of holy baptism, and as the Holy Spirit has entered me, and I believe all this stuff that I read in the Bible, I trust in Christ as my Savior, and the world's going, Oh, really?
0: (laughs) Uh, That'd be nice of the world. They're more like, Loser. Loser. Oh, you. Yeah. The world. I wish they would go, Oh, really?
1: Those
0: uh, <laughs> bunch of bunch of doorknobs. Those,
1: yeah,
0: guys. But I mean, it's and and that's that's what that's where we're at. Is is yeah the the world doesn't recognize us. We're weird to them, right? Mm-hmm. You you worship well. Aren't you kind of like and, you know? And and there's some fluctuation with the times. It wouldn't have been so. So bad a hundred years ago to be called a square, but now if I if I call Pastor Hoffman if I said, dude, you're a square, it's it's immediately an insult. Yeah. But I mean, a hundred years ago it meant he was an upright guy, right? Yeah. All four corners are all four corners are squared. You know, it's
1: he's very, an upright
0: guy. But, very geometrically
1: uh, pleasing shape. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it fits in square things, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah it's it's um, again, you know this is another place with the symbol um, and and I think that John distinguishes original and actual sin here because we don't want to void. Again, the rules is context, context, context. There's no chapter breaks, there's no verse breaks or anything like that in the original letter. It was meant to be read all at once. So we have to keep that in mind as we read this and, and like you were saying in the beginning, keep chapter one in mind where he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Plus, his cyclical writing style. If you don't keep all things in mind, then you're just gonna read John at, at, like a reform mm-hmm. person. Whoops, did I did I take a swing at the reform there?
1: Well, it is it is, you know, kind of They've kind of co-opted this book I think that's why the Bush Leaguers need to uh, to take the uh, on the offensive of taking this book back um, the the reason you know and and it, it happens again in verse 8 in about 8b um, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil not the reason why you are called to practice righteousness is to destroy the works of the devil. Your call to practice righteousness is because, literally, because it's right. And, and God has determined this right and wrong system. And so, for the people who are trying to get their, their works righteousness in, or trying to make Jesus smile, or whatever, it's to say that John doesn't believe it. And so he says right here, Well, the reason the Son of God appeared, why he came was to destroy the works of the devil. So that'll keep you away from saying, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, I have to do more of this. And, and Well, no, because you're a Christian, doing this is good and right. So people really need to take their, their thermometer out or something, whatever. They're trying to find a slide scale. Um, because no one born from God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. So once again we're in the terms of practicing to saying that, you know, this is not your life. If you're telling me you're born of God and you're you're practicing darkness, well, you're it's John saying you need to turn away. You need to repent. And he cannot he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Well, he's also saying, you know what? This is going to come to an end. The righteousness that's been given to you, it's going to come to an end on the the sinning thing. He's pointing us to the future as well as towards our good works that we do now.
0: Well, and someone will ask, they will say, well, why did God choose to work this way? And I think the question is best answered in 2 Corinthians when Paul receives the thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan, to keep him from becoming elated because of the surpassing revelation that Paul was given. And he says, three times I prayed to the Lord to remove this from me. But the Lord repeats back to Paul, who had direct... God. Uh, speaking with God as as an apostle, Paul kind of had this uniqueness where uh, he seems to have stayed in communion with uh, the Lord the whole time. And it's repeated back to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made great in your weakness. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's what it all comes back to. Is if if we were to be perfected now we would we would we would just turn into pharisees and say look at how awesome i am i have no need of jesus anymore
1: yep sad but true and paul again it's god isn't you know when when paul says you know this thorn that's in his side whatever was harming him it was to say no no it humbled him it brought him low and it's to say by the way, that is the proper location for a Christian to be, is humbled and brought low before the Lord.
0: That's right, and that's why Paul responds with saying, therefore I will boast all the more in my weakness that the power of God may rest on me. Yeah. What an awesome confession, right?
1: That's a, that's a confession done securely, From the bottom, the base of the cross.
0: So, I mean, that is why. That is why I I would say that that the argument can be made that that is why. And and things are not fulfilled. Well, why isn't Jesus here? Well, there's 7,000 more that have not bowed a knee to Baal. So our work's not done. We don't ask these questions. We just keep doing our vocations, (laughs) serving our neighbor, getting to church, These are practicing righteousness things from faith while we wait for the perfect to come.
1: Sure. Um, And it's okay for him to say in verse 10, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So when we're talking about practicing righteousness, you know, uh, it's those things who who make their life out of doing what is right, and um, and it's it's so hard because we're often so programmed to say, well, you know, nothing I do will save me, and every Lutheran on the planet should say Amen. But uh, <laughs> that's
0: right. Right. <laughs> <and, laughs>
1: but practicing righteousness is not my salvation practicing righteousness is the fruit of my salvation and that and that's okay it's totally okay to to um just make an example please forgive my limited examples because there's a billion of them out there but for me to work at a soup kitchen for me to you know if i were to help someone uh, in their, my neighbor with something or for me to know this is one that you should hear and I'm not ashamed of this one for me to regularly be in the house of God hearing the word and receiving the sacraments believe it or not that is the right thing for a Christian to do to be in God's house and receive his gifts that is practicing righteousness.
0: I would argue that's the highest form of practicing righteousness and just to show you that John was Lutheran and not reformed <laughs> I'm, gonna bring, I'm gonna bring Peter in on the conversation so this is Second Peter chapter 1 I'm just gonna read a quick snippet so that we can show you that we harmonize the text with the rest of Scripture and Peter says um, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. That would be the church thing. Mm-hmm. And godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. It just, it's just like John said, right? Mm-hmm. Loving your brother. And then he says, For if these qualities are yours and you are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. In other words, practicing righteousness is good for your faith. Yeah. It is not what saves you, but it keeps you in the knowledge of Jesus Christ.
1: Well, it's it's a true enough thing to say that when we are prepared in and out of season to give an account of the hope that is in us well to be prepared for that you know it takes some preparation um you know even even to use uh something in your life to say that you know if you have a if you have a gym and an amazing one that you have and you never you never lift weights it doesn't change the fact that you have a gym but you've done yourself a disservice by not, um, by not keeping in practice with it.
0: Oh boy, have you ever!
1: So you know, <laughs> it's, on that
0: analogy, that one hits home too hard, there, boss.
1: Well, sure, it's it's to say that you know I'm not saying that it, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but I'm saying that uh, you know the righteousness and the things of God that we have been learned and been taught. Um, all the things that Christ has commanded us, and uh, it's really in our day and age, it's really important to remind Christians that our presence in the world shouldn't be looking like the world. It's it's really you know it's so funny because Christianity has become so countercultural now. All the countercultural people are like the norm. And Christianity is so countercultural right now. You'd think that, you know, if somebody really wanted to be uh on the edge, they'd go, Well yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna become a Lutheran or something, you know, it's just it's crazy. It, you know, I mean if I had if I had half my head shaved and I, I wore a dress and makeup and went to, to school in the public schools here, they'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah yeah whatever he or she identifies with you know that's fine with us but if i walk into school and i've got my luther rose t-shirt on and i'm singing a mighty fortress they're going to be going hey you want to knock that off so i mean if you really want to be a you know a punk rock uh, citizen you and you got you can't you can't do it by getting a mohawk anymore you have to you have, to, um, you have to confess the faith, and, and you'll, really, you'll be really offensive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and you know what? This, this uh, is a topic, too, so that I don't end up like Peter. What I did early on is I just got all the Christian tattoos, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that way, there is no denying, right? It's written all over you. <laughs> um, and it also, it, it's a great evangelism tool. You know what I mean? So before you even start talking, someone knows where you stand. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> they might not know, no, but it, it, it's a good thing to, now I'm not encouraging you if you're, if you're under 18 and you still live with your parents or something like that, over 18 and still live with your parents, make sure you check with the authority first per the fourth commandment. But, uh, I don't know. I found it helpful for me. Uh, I got one slapped on my forearm. It says, Jesus saves sinners. And it has the chalice tipped over on the sinners. Right? Uh Because I was catechizing these guys for six months, and I say, okay, what's the gospel? And They're crickets. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it slapped on in three easy words, because this isn't going to happen anymore, right? So... Again, it's it's not the tattoos that are the thing. It's why am I doing the thing, right? It's never the thing that's sinful. Why am I doing it?
1: Right.
0: Well, I'm around a bunch of tattoo guys, and these these yuppies can't give you the gospel after hearing it over and over and over and over again. So, you know, now they're going to see it over and over and over and over again.
1: Well, it's... So... It, yeah. It's definitely... It's definitely... And by the way, I'm going to argue Christianity, uh, and I mean a confessional Christianity, has always been extremely countercultural. Because um, loving your neighbor, um, being self-sacrificial when it comes to your wife, um, when it comes to your children and things like this, that is, um, people say they're into that, but when, when the rubber hits the road, you know, where I work, I happen to work in a school and um, I know some, some parents who are seriously uh, self-sacrificial and for their families and I got teachers here who they have kids and you don't know what they're giving up to make sure their kids have the best things and you know it's something that's a real blessing to see but all of our teachers here are Christians and heck many of them are Lutherans and uh they they just you know they that's something that they understand that it's not saving them they're doing it because it's right and yeah, if you
0: don't think you're selfish god bless my wife right yeah go get married and this is what i tell the the young guys if you don't think you're selfish go get married go have kids you'll see because <laughs> i used to think oh oh man i'm the most unselfish person i know Then you get married, and it's like, what do I want to do today? But you're asking, what do you want to do today? And it doesn't agree with you. So it's like, what do I want to do today? Right. And you find out how selfish you really are now, right? Um,
1: Well, um, think about, well, on the topic of marriage, that's, that's where John even segues in this. For this, and now this is another good. He's cycling around again. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So again, John is coming back to going, just so you know, you works righteous Pharisees. (laughs) From the beginning, (laughs) you've been told that we should love one another. Okay, you're not achieving something here. Um, We should not be like Cain, you know. And you notice he makes a really, a really helpful comparison here to say, Cain, he practiced evil, and his brother practiced righteousness. And so, um, and, and somebody who, who's, you know, you can say he's doing his own thing, but when he, um, was doing his own thing and he was practicing evil next thing you know doing his own thing wasn't enough he had to murder his brother and so for people in public society where we um, adore practicing evil and they say well what's you know don't worry about it it's not your problem well pretty soon with that attitude it becomes our problem because what was considered to be well they're just fringe leave them alone becomes well they're normal you hate filled bigot you know so um the righteousness that we're to practice um is very will be very offensive to non-believing ears. and he goes don't be surprised brothers that the world hates you (laughs) that's a good (laughs) t-shirt I mean, we know, it says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So he's just saying, look, stop getting surprised when the world hates you. And the worst thing you can do is to say, well, then I should probably emulate the world. Because next thing you know, I'm just emulating the world and there's no eternal life found in loving the world.
0: Well, and going back to just for a second on the Cain and Abel thing that that John touches on to where I draw my apologetic that again, Cain had to silence his conscience. Right? He had to sue that evil, but without faith. See, Abel is able to have a good conscience because he has faith. Mm-hmm. He's practicing righteousness from faith. But Cain is faithless, even though he knows the true God, and he needs a form of absolution, and that absolution is the silence put away from him, his brother.
1: Right. Instead of repenting, he's uh, he's just trying to justify himself. You know, isn't that interesting? A Cain who repented, um, his brother, he would have gained him, right? And so instead instead of that, he just said, Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow my own unrighteousness, and what I have to do is get rid of true righteousness, and then all that will be left is mine, and that will be the new righteousness. You know, I mean, it's just sickening, and we see it in our culture all the time. That uh, we replace righteousness with unrighteousness, and if you don't fall into line, you know what you're gonna you're gonna suffer for it. So, um, but he says in verse uh, 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So in a world that does kind of hate us, that doesn't mean we should become so angry at the world also that we don't say, oh, that guy's in need. Um, You know, because sometimes I think that's the other trick of the devil is when Christians are persecuted, Christians can have a tendency to say, well, forget it. I'm taking my ball and going home. And um, that's not what we're called to do either. So it's, it's a it's a it's tricky.
0: Uh, you know, and I'm glad you said that because it's true I mean it is it is beyond true that but we in those times we we want to remember that we were once we were once the doorknob that was you know being the punk right so mm-hmm. but I want to get a little off on, on this one text alone and just add my two cents. This is why I think that, so most of it, John has been taking from Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Straight from Jesus. And I think here, John is taking from James. You know, it's argued that James is the first epistle. And this is like the Faith Without Works' is deadline, John style, right?
1: Well, I mean, they're both going to be looking at it as Semitic people and so even if it wasn't taken from James you know they're going to be on the same page because again this is not culturally irrelevant to a Jewish person anyway so if he, yeah. if he borrowed from James that would be totally normal but if he also said this stuff because he saw this parallel in what Jesus was teaching well that would be normal too for sure and
0: the the fact is, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So, what we want to what, what we want to uh, get across is, when Pastor Hoffman is preaching to the congregation, he says your sins are forgiven. After he's preached the law and convicted everybody, and then and then he absolves you and preaches Christ crucified for you, he may then just do this thing called exhortation and then exhort you to do good works because of the forgiveness you receive. And that's not to be mingled with the gospel you just received, but it's an exhortation since you've received this. Let us do this stuff, right? That's what John's saying.
1: Exhortation is... By the way, exhortation is only for Christians. That's something we need to remember. We don't take the unregenerate and say... How come you don't love your brother more? Don't you know the Lord's? <laughs> so you know, keep in mind that exhortation in this, you know, as uh, Zach is talking about, is is a normal thing for a Christian to hear, and it should be a normal thing for a pastor to preach, um, to never tire of doing good works, etc., and for a pastor to not shepherd um, the sheep into. You know, this is a directional thing. This is what the staff is for. It's to say, well, you know, stay away from this, and here's the good stuff, and that's totally okay. And and but as you said, we don't have anything called gospel. Um, when when the uh, the word of the gospel is preached, it does not come with conditions. It comes with this is it, and an exhortation doesn't doesn't mess with that. And you shouldn't preach in such a way where you're sort of implying that the exhortation and the proclamation of forgiveness are somehow <laughs> related, because they're not. They are they are separate things in the in the life of a Christian.
0: We could say it like this: um, We're going to put a million dollars in your bank account. That million dollars is Christ. It's secure. It's in your account. Nobody can touch it. Only you. Right. Now, since you received a million bucks, don't be a punk. Go help out the person who needs a hundred. Right. Yeah. So I know I'm a little more rough than Pastor Hoffman. (laughs) 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 My exhortation. But uh, maybe he will throw that in one of his sermons. Don't be a punk.
1: Don't be a punk.
0: (laughs) Maybe we can make it a sermon title. Tell me a punk. You got the million. It's secured. But yeah. since you're overflowing with all of this money, this Christ, this grace, this truth, it's going to trickle out.
1: Yeah. And you're not, You're don't worry, you're never depleting your Jesus by loving your neighbor. <laughs> no. In
0: fact, when you take the hundred out, Jesus is in there stuffing, you know, 10,000 back in. That's that's the grace upon grace in Christianity and you you're not seeing it. Mm-hmm. You only think about the hundred from the flesh, but you know, if you're acting from from faith in the spirit and, and doing the righteous things that you should be doing, then you have to trust God like we were saying in the beginning. Do I have a God take care of me? Does he have that's all under control? And the answers to all that are Or yes,
1: yeah. So we, you got to make sure, yeah, that uh, we keep exhortation away from the forgiveness of sins. But we also need to make sure that we don't accidentally keep exhortation away from the Christian.
0: Exactly. It's not just. uh, We don't want to just say Jesus died for you. The end. That's not good for faith. Jesus died for you. The end. Let's go do some good
1: works. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's rejoice in it. Rejoicing in faith is, believe it or not, serving God and serving your neighbor. Jesus says as much. Um, but here he goes; he just says it. Verse nineteen: By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before Him. For whoever our, uh for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence before god and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son jesus christ and love one another just as he has commanded us whoever keeps his commandments abides in god and god in him And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So right here, even talking about um, uh, reassure our that be reassured before him for wherever our heart, whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. In other words, when we have been convicted of our sin you have to know that the sin isn't so great that um, it's going to overpower the grace and mercy of God. He is the one that is going to handle that. Not your good works, not being nice to your neighbor. I'm going to go back over this again. He knows everything, but he's saying, you know what? What's really good is to say if our heart is not condemning us, uh, we have confidence before God. In other words, um, this trust that we have in faith—by the way, heart for a Jewish person is faith. It's not a feeling in your chest. Um, and so, you know, the word levav in Hebrew is a is a double thing for head and heart. And so, when we, when he talks about feeling it in our heart, it is not a Valentine's Day moment. It's a, it's it's actually a reference to our faith our faith knows faith knows right and wrong and so if you're serving your neighbor you're not saying oh I'm sinning against my neighbor but also if you're breaking into your neighbor's house (laughs) your faith is going to say this is wrong (laughs) and so that's what they're talking about here it's not like some sort of um, what's his name Uh, um, Wesley who felt a strange warming in his heart when he read Galatians and he went and misinterpreted it for the rest of his life and oh
0: yeah wesley the uh, methodist uh, starter there yeah john wesley john wesley
1: yep and uh although his brother charles wesley it was
0: it... uh it was roman he was reading luther yeah luther on Romans. how are you gonna read luther and then start a methodist <laughs> oh, i thought
1: it was i thought it was galatians
0: no it was it
1: was roman okay well either way he missed the point entirely and um it has nothing to do with how you feel about it it feels good because it's right you don't go it's right because it feels good and so um and then and so we have here this uh when we ask of god something in faith now this isn't i'm not becoming pastor creflo dollar here um when you ask for something in faith, well guess what? What does somebody who trusts in Jesus ask for? Well, he doesn't ask for a sky whip and all these kind of things. Somebody who asks for his father, well, uh forgive me, um uh, Give
0: us this day our daily bread, yes. forgive us our trespasses, thine will be done, all that good yeah. stuff
1: that is a prayer of faith not uh i would sure love to have you know 24 inch rims on my truck you know or whatever so that's recognize that from the beginning you know this is what it is this is this is how we've been taught and so it, this language here we need to really take back the first john because it points us to jesus and if you forget though if you forget chapter one then it points us to ourselves and we hopefully zach and i have adequately shown you in chapter three is not pointing you towards you but pointing at the righteousness of christ for you and the fruits that come from that so if we leave jesus out then it's basically a basically a buddhist handbook but if we if we keep jesus right where john put him in the beginning then uh we have a wonderful picture of our life as christians
0: yeah so like we said keep in mind this is to be read straight through one of my favorite lines here is when john says for whenever our heart condemns us god is greater than our heart." That right there is a stab at the enthusiasts and the mysticism, right? Mysticism and all of that other junk. It's like saying, "Why is my watch always wrong?" But you're wearing a broken watch. Yeah. But God keeps time, okay? Maybe that was a horrible analogy. I don't know. Well, because yeah, yeah, broken watches
1: are right twice a day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's it's right at least. That's about the heart, right? It's right. Maybe, I don't know, 10% of the time, the other 90% of the time, it's it's off. Mm-hmm. So, we, we can't trust our feelings. We can't even always trust our conscience. We can't trust our heart. We must trust the written word.
1: Yeah. Um, especially, our, again, back to the simile, when our old Adam is going, Hey, <laughs> hey I'm driving the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, he's what gonna,
0: how'd you get the wheel
1: yeah he's gonna run it right off the road now as we move on if you don't mind um, as we look here one of the things that Zach likes to do is in our Lutheran stuff no drama group he throws it out to the to the readers for to ask questions and uh, there's some really good ones in here and we Wow. I mean, the, the more we do this question thing in here, the more people are starting to respond. So if we don't get to your question, we're terribly sorry. and We will try to answer it in the group. But some of these are just a little too uh, a little too good to pass up. Um, for example, uh, William Metz asked, I thought, a very uh, helpful question. Do non-denominational pastors who set up their own churches have a rightly ordered call? Now, this is an interesting thing because um, running out on your own and opening a church almost like a 7-Eleven is very American. And um, so you tend to see people that have started churches in America almost like they're starting a widget factory. Now, of course, I have to be fair. In the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we had our very own start with uh, Bishop Stefan, which we later removed him from the office of our bishop, or removed him from being under his care. And we found ourselves with the question, uh, do we have the right to to even have churches. Now I'm going to get into American churches in a minute. So you got to remember the Lutherans that were in Perry County were, you know, immigrants from Germany. But the question becomes since we lost our bishop, do we have um do we have a proper church? And if you read uh, Walther and Church and Ministry, which is brilliant, you're going to find in a nutshell because I'm bush league, let me sum it up for you. He has he wrote and, and the Lutheran Church has agreed that the the, the call is right and um, it stems from the gathering the Ecclesia, the gathering of people's need to hear the word and receive the sacraments, and so they would call these men who have been prepared to serve as their their pastors and they now that's how the Lutherans do it, but now this is not what what Mr. Metz is talking about. He's talking about somebody who um, goes out and gets a shingle, and it's pastor, you know, Pastor Jim. And uh, why is he a pastor? We don't know because he doesn't have a flock. It's like saying, "I'm a shepherd." Well, where's your flock? No, I don't know. <laughs> so. Um, and
0: I think their favorite word too is startup. It's kind of ruined the word for me, right? So, startup or mission church, right?
1: Well, even a mission church has a has a small handful of people in it. Well,
0: and and you're right. But what I'm saying is is the the bad guys here have kind of ruined the terminology for me. If that makes sense.
1: No, I gotcha. And a startup is a—it's yeah. a, a business term, and it should, we should run away from that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, when you find people who are gathered, even even the early mission work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, if you had people who were serving as an evangelist, they would be in communities, and and I'm and Zach does this. People, he meets people, talks to them about. He gives them the gospel in his public, I mean, in his, you know, in, in his private time in out in the world. And so he doesn't pretend that he's a pastor, but he also doesn't pretend that he's not a Christian either. So um, when he shares the gospel with them, ha, if he were somewhere that was more remote, he might have like 10, 12 people there. And he would say, you know what, guys, you, you've heard the gospel. It's, it's time that we had a pastor. And he would you know he would say we need to look for a pastor and so because sharing the gospel with your neighbor with your friends isn't a, a pastor only thing it's something that christians do because they believe jesus is real <laughs> but um and so
0: well we're called the priesthood of all believers mm-hmm. for all you good bush league fans out there that is what paul calls us and the job, and he's coining it from the Old Testament, where only the Levites could perform the functions of the priests. But now, uh, Christ is our high priest, and we are all priests under Him to proclaim the good news, i.e., ambassadors for Christ.
1: Yeah, and you don't, you don't, uh, you don't, you want to make sure that this is. Uh not distinguished with like priesthood like the catholic a lot of times people think of like the catholic priest and that's where we get weird weird church things but he like zach says we're talking about the priesthood the levitical one where they were the only ones who would even actually make intercessions for you they were the only ones who would make sacrifices for you well when the when uh when we're referred to as the priesthood of all believers, that means I too can make, you know, Zach is saying, I too can pray to God. I too can uh, tell, love my neighbor in the way of saying, you know that uh, God sent his only son to die on the cross and you know he did that for you, right? And so that is not the office of the public ministry. That is just, that is just life. And so, uh, when pastors preach, teach, and administer the sacraments, that means that they've been called into a public setting to do that. But in your own private life, um, and by the way, you better make sure you have your theology straight if you're going to do this. But when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, that should be that's as honest as Mary Magdalene telling, Uh, The apostles, hey, you know, uh, Jesus is alive. She wasn't preaching a sermon to them. She was going, I saw this, and he told me to tell you, you know. So that's that's not leading worship. That's saying, oh, this is reality. It's like saying the sun rose. I observed this. I am telling you. So we just want to make sure so we don't get into weird lay ministry stuff.
0: Yeah, we want to stay away from uh, that because it's icky. Um, <laughs> it is icky. <laughs> it's icky, but but back to the uh, question. I mean, this can go two ways. So if if Captain Jim there starts his church and he's just waiting for people to come in, no, that is not that is not what we confess is a rightly ordered call and an ordination. And and like Pastor Hoffman said, I'll expound on it uh, too. Is an examination. It's not that, that uh, Super Jim can just walk in and say, I'm in. No, this does not go with the historic practice of the church. If we read the scriptures, especially Acts, um, and and a lot of the epistles, especially Acts, mm-hmm. it's always the, the approval of the church with the laying on of hands, the testing of one's faith, and Again, the qualifications for pastor, and then yeah. you need and an ordination. So, Super Jim, he's totally out. You can't just set church up like a business. It doesn't work that way. No. Now, let's say someone has everything else. They have the call. They have the ordination. They have the qualifications. They have the examination, and they're preaching wrong.
1: Yeah. That
0: is a right call, but now you have... Well, I'll let let you take that one, since I took the first one. You take
1: that one. That's... Well, what you just mentioned is the other side of the coin is, can somebody with a right call preach incorrectly? Yes, a a pastor can be guilty of heresy. But in this case, with the non-denominational, I would say that um, apart from the gathering... Uh, the ecclesia meaning uh there's no there's no ministry there because a pastor isn't a pastor of himself and so um now is it possible that a gathering of christians could call pastor jim to be their pastor absolutely but um you know there are things that we recognize as lutherans and historic christians The ordination, when people say, well, that's not not a biblical requirement. Well, (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. But um, it's to say that what it is, this is the affirmation. My ordination is an affirmation of one, my examination, and two, of my call, my first call to Zion and Anchorage. Um, to say that yes, I have been placed into the public ministry, and the laying on of hands which I received was pure was for that. So you know, it's people. Uh, people get a little bit, get a little bit derpy on that.
0: Well, people might think too. What are they doing with the laying on of hands? Cause we do it to our confirmation kids too. Are you, pre- 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 uh, you know? Uh, focusing some power, powerful juju through those hands? <laughs> and, you know, are, are you doing, like, some Super Power Ranger moves there? Or? No, it's just the apostolic way, okay? I mean, the, the, the first apostles had the way of imparting spiritual gifts this way, but they didn't just do it for spiritual gifts. They laid hands on to affirm, like we're talking about, to affirm, yes, we're calling this person, yes, we're we're sending this person to the congregation over here, uh, and, and we're all putting our hands on to affirm this.
1: Right, and so once again, I would say that the apostolic understanding of this is still the right way to go because it's biblical, and you know even with your confirmands, I place my hand on a child who I'm baptizing and we say the Lord's prayer Um, you know the laying on of hands isn't just in the pastoral ministry The laying on hands is a type of um, commissioning into many things like the the baptism a commission is to get uh, you know is to say look this is a public act of God working and this is m- my public act of saying this is for this child, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, William Metz, you have done a you have done a great service by asking this question, and I can tell by the people who responded to it they think it's a great question. And um, of course, uh, Chris. Let me
0: say. Well, I got, I want to say one more thing on it. I, I, you know, one more thing has popped into my mind. Um, this mega church type stuff right yeah you don't even have church so not only do you not have a pastor you don't have church because you don't have the word rightly preached and you don't have the sacraments rightly administered so in churches like that or what's called the church you don't even have church
1: no if you're inviting people in and it's purely for the purpose of sort of entertainment and uh, or spirituality of some sort where it's like Jesus is there, but he's not at the top of the list. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just going to tell you at the, in the in the last day, Jesus is going to judge these. I'm not going to just walk around and go, you're not church, you're not church. But I am going to say that all Christians should have a... a, a or sort of a radar built in that should send up some flags if they see some things that are just inconsistent with a biblical witness. So, you know, for the, for pastor Jim and the church of the happy go lucky, you know, Jesus lovers. Um, it's to say that, you know, Jim, what you should be, uh, what you should be worrying about is yourself is saying, are you starting your own church? Really? Really? and um, and so the that question really has to be asked among them and when these congregations grow up all we can do is pray for them to preach teach and administer the sacraments rightly and otherwise they're, they're you know they could be eating and drinking damnation on themselves as as st. Paul writes so that's the really the only way to answer that question without just saying, well, I'm going to go down the list. This guy, not a Christian. This guy, probably a Christian. So, you... No, you need...
0: where, where I was distinguishing is places that aren't even preaching the word or administering the sacraments, it's impossible to have church. Right. Right? Because that's what church is, is centered around, is Christ crucified with the word and the sacraments. So, and, and uh, one more thing... Uh, Super Jim, if he's making you feel good, that should be a a blinking red indicator, this is not right, something's wrong, because the preaching of the law, which is going to happen in a faithful church, is not going to make you feel good, but it's going to tell you what you need to hear.
1: Yeah, seriously, seriously, uh, if you're not hearing ever that sin is bad and wrong and if you're not ever hearing you are the sinner um just know this you're being shortchanged you're being ripped off you're being denied uh the full counsel of god so if your church has got an awesome light show and lasers and the pastor's really interesting and really engaging and he preaches a lot of how you're supposed to do nice stuff and all this kind of thing, and it, but if he's never calling out sinners to repent, well, then he's really never point trying to point people towards Jesus. So yeah, I think you you made a really good point. That was that's the only really way to understand that.
0: If he's not saying you, brood of vipers, who warned you from the the wrath. To flee from the wrath that is to come. Yep. You may have a super gym
1: on your hands. Yep. Oh, foolish Galatians. So. <laughs> well, you know, with that being said, man, I think, you know, it's time to, to we're going to wrap it up. We're running out of time here, but I hope everybody tonight really got a good view of how John wants us to be pointed towards Christ but also wants to rejoice in the works of Christ by showing love to our neighbors and whatnot. So um and thanks for the great question uh, uh Mr. Hey. until next time this has been Braun Crossman with Jack Lex from no no podcast